the garage with phonetic and brains. Finally, what's going on, bruv? Yes, mate. We get there in the end. That never ceases to make me chuckle, that, that little jingle. That was like <laughs> every time. longest setup ever, wasn't it? Wow. Uh, anyway, we are here. I am Mr. Brains, live from the Brains Cave. And I am Phonetics, uh, here in my wonderful Jazz Step FM studio. Totally <laughs> real. Totally real studio. Totally real. It's not at all, not at all green screened. Um, Course. It's been, yeah, been a man, while, mate. Been a while. How's, it, how's has, it been? It has. It's been, yeah. Yeah, well, good, mate. Busy, busy. Reeling from the, the devastating news that Neighbours has finished today after 37 years. That program's nearly as old as me, man, and they just cancelled it. Just wondering how long it is before that, I... That's, know, that's the headline news for you today is Neighbours. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> there you go, mate. It's been educational. You're it, welcome. It, either I've got my priorities uh, wrong or, uh, well, you know. Yeah. Truth of the matter is it took us so long to, to set up that I loaded up tw- uh, Twitter and was just going through the little <laughs> trending stream on the side there. And I was like, oh, Neighbours has been cancelled. <laughs> it is about time. It was never the same since Kylie Minogue left. That's a lie. I was in love with Holly Valance when I was in school. She, I, I, ah. I was in love with her. Totally. Yeah. She never really did much, though, did she? You know, the, the music career was a bit up and down, and she tried Hollywood, and it never... Good luck to her for trying. And then I think, and if I remember rightly, recently she was pictured with someone that was anti-vaxxing, and I can't remember who, and then I... Ah, right. And then I was devastated. But anyway... You know, <laughs> we move on. We move on. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a, been a while since we uh, we last hooked up. Um, I think since since the last time we recorded, I have I've got married. I'm now a married man. Um, Congratulations, my friend. Thank you very much. Okay. In post, I'm going to add a little round of applause or something there, or you know, a rave horn maybe. So something to signify. <laughs> Both round of applause and a rave horn. Both. You've just heard yeah, that. It was absolutely. amazing. <laughs> um, and I, I turned forty as well, mate. I'm a just full blown granddad. That oh, all, that's all happened in You're in the right. last month and a bit. Um, but yeah, I had a birthday as well, but not not quite a milestone just yet. You've got a year or two on me. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> not that I'm going to rub that in your face, you know. That's all right. I, I think. What, once you reach 35, I think you're probably considered middle age and it's all still gravy then really, isn't it, from that point? You know what they say, it's like you're only as young as the man you feel and I've still got that Cambodian locked up indoors, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> Mate, careful, you're going to get yourself cancelled before uh, we even got going with the tunes. <laughs> callback, that was a callback to they think it's all over and David Gower used to have a Cambodian boy under his desk is what the running joke or something like that. Anyway... God, remember them? Remember them days? Should we talk about music? Um, we probably should. That's what people are tuning in for, I think, isn't it? So, um, top three showdown. Every show, we go head-to-head with... Oh, oh, normally, it's our three favourite tunes. I think it's three tunes we just like to talk about from the past month or so. Um, I don't know whether the three I've picked are my favourite, um, but they're three that I would like to talk about. Um, what's, your, yeah. what's your first pick, Rob? I've got three belters I want to talk about, and the first one is definitely one of my favourites in recent times. Uh, it's available now on Lush Recordings. It's called I'll Be There, and it's by Ed James.
And I don't mean to be sappy You make my skies turn blue, blue Pure is the driven soul I can let this go, go Love like the sun will shine So glad to call you mine, mine I'll be there, be there when you're sad and lonely I'll be there, be there when you're cold and tired I'll be there, honey, you can hold your head up I'll be there, honey, never let you go, never let you go I'll be there I'll be there I'll be there Where did they dig Ed James up from, man? Man, it's wicked, it's wicked, isn't it? I'm glad, I welcome back, Ed James, it's good to have you um, Yeah, I just can't fault that I mean, I even... It's definitely, it's got shades of MJ Cole in it. It's, it's either an MJ Cole them. rip or MJ Cole did it. It can only be one or the other. <laughs> I had it, I played it on my last show actually and I, and I think I introduced it as that. I said, you know, if you if you didn't, if you played it to me and you told me it was a new MJ Cole tune, I wouldn't necessarily question it. I'd be like, all right, do you know what I mean? And, uh, it's, and, and I mean that as praise because that's, do you know what I mean? That's about the highest compliment you can get as a garage producer, right? Um, yeah, it's just slick. It, I, I, I like, I love the arrangement. I love the way it builds into that into that drop. It's quite subtle, but that's quite befitting of the tune. It goes well with the vocal. It's very mellow, but there's like plenty of percussive elements that kind of drive it along nicely. I love those synth swirls. Like when they started going, it just immediately brought a smile on my face. Um, mixed down, mastered all, all nicely. Nice vocal execution. I can't fault it. I just, I really enjoyed it the first time I heard it. Um, here we are, six or seven weeks later, and I'm still playing it quite regularly. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's just a good look. I like it. It surprised me. I, I'm I'm wondering if he produced it himself or whether someone did it for him. Because I didn't. Because originally, like Ed James obviously was. I say obviously. It, we talk about the Lost Years a lot, and he he was all over the Lost Years. Like I was getting different Ed James remixes all the time. Des Jones, aka uh, Huxley, yeah. did loads of Des Jones remixes from what I remember. Um, and yeah, it was. It's uh, it, w- w- that's how I remember him. Is these these kind of random? It was the first time I was getting digital music, and it, it was and it was really good to feel like I was getting music that wasn't out. So like, I, I I attach Ed James to early memories of getting pre-release music, which is strange, but um, yeah, I did, did, all of his tunes were always a remix, and I didn't think he made music like this. So I would love to know if it is him on production. Bravo. Um, Because he's definitely evolved from his talents of the lost years. Um, But if. Yeah, I I, I was going to say I caught up with him recently. um, Because obviously, I'm on radio this weekend actually, and he he sent me um, the next track he's done, which is a a remix of uh, an act called. I want to say cheat codes. I think I'm getting that right. I can't remember what the track's called, but it's, it's again, it's in a similar kind of vein, similar style, production-wise. Um, I can't say I actually asked him, you know, if you, if you had any help. Like the, certainly from the back and forth we had, the, the impression I got was that um, it's him doing it. And if if he's now remixing, that would suggest to me that yeah, he's obviously on the buttons. But um, I mean, whichever, you know, be it him or be it with help, I, I don't care. It's good. That's it, my, my ears like it, and that's the main thing. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just quite slick. He's got a nice voice as well, man. You know, it's like the best of both worlds there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, good on him. Good on him. I think it's well, it's taken him 15, 17 years to, to come into his own, it seems like, because I don't think he got anywhere past the underground of the Lost Years, and that was a very small pond to be playing in at the time. So um, good on him for I mean, putting this out. 
The last years is a weird one now, isn't it? Because I think there were plenty of people who, who arguably could have gone on to quite big things but didn't. And, and there was just a whole variety of reasons why you might not have done, wasn't there? Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like the scene, the people that were there, the people that were there at the time are real diehard and really invested in it. But Garage was still, you know, Garage was a dirty word back then. It's only really recently come away from the 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 image of so solid crew isn't it because i think a lot of the time like i remember when i started releasing records and like i would talk to people who weren't necessarily involved in the scene and i'll be like oh yeah i make garage records and then that, that was the assumption it was always that you were making grime basically like people just assumed that and people didn't even realize that there was this kind of thing kind of still going there just with a very small audience um so i think there were a few people that came out of the last years and did all right out of it but the majority probably you know just got fed up with the same old shit and hung their boots up. And I, it always brings a tear to my eye whenever you see one of those social media posts where someone goes, right, that's it, fuck it, I'm off. Because it's a shame that the, the, the grind and the endless frustration can kill that passion. Uh, but it's, you know, I'm glad wherever Ed did go for that time, I'm, you know, I'm glad he's, he's making these kind of tracks again. Ugh, fuck it, I'm off posts always seem like a bit of a... <laughs> not, not a cry for help, but you know what I mean, an attention grab. But, uh, you know, that's a, that's a conversation for another gas. Uh, let's move on. Um, great shout. Welcome back, Ed James. Uh, my pick, first pick of the day is coming straight out of Russia, and it is an artist that I've featured before. And this is an evolution for him. It's a guy called Digital Koala, and we are listening to a tune called Velvet. saying mate i'll say what i always say russia has birthed some of the the finest garage that i think we've ever had and um yeah digital koala like i'm, I'm a fan as well it, it's got serious skills there um I, I must admit like this tune in particular it took me kind of a few lis- listens to wrap my head around it. the first time i listened to it i didn't dislike it but it didn't leap out at me as one that i went fucking hell i love that and then the more it was actually I was having a little mix recently and, and, I, and I put it on and it was only kind of when I kind of took a moment to step back and like listen to it properly I was like fucking hell that's really good like some of the chord progressions in there are kind of 
really unexpected and, and really nice and real soulful. Um, but on the whole, like, yeah, I just feel like Velvet is the perfect name for the track as well because it's so smooth. Do you know what I mean? It just it sounds like Velvet to my ears, and I can I don't know, like I even was doing it then, I'm just kind of smiling vacantly, getting lost in it. You know what I mean? I like music that does that to me. Yeah, but this is the thing. It's like you're talking about un, like uh, unexpected chord progressions. I mean, it's like not even just from the tune; it's from the artist himself. I mean, Digital Koala. He's only been about for a little bit and he has done some quality bass heavy bits. Like he's had some wicked EPs, man. Like, and he's one of my favourite kind of lengy brown door kicking artists um, out there at the moment. Um, you know, he's up there and I, I don't know why he's not been on Night Base yet, but he's got to be destined for it. Maybe he's already been on there and I've missed it. Um, but so he's, he's, his bass stuff is wicked. It's only been getting better and better, and then he drops this, and this is just like safe, smooth and silky like velvet. Is uh, it was unexpected, and it's very mature, and it's still really, really nice to listen to. So I just kind of wanted to call out um, just digital koala's progression. Really, is is yeah. evolution, is ma- maturation, um, and d- the quality of this track. So yeah, um, no, that's a nice that's a good one. Shout, mate. And you make an interesting point there in terms of like artists that are kind of bouncing around from sort of niche to niche or doing things a little bit differently. I've noticed a bit more of that happening recently. Uh, I don't know whether like I'm the only one that's noticed that. I've noticed it with a few people where they've kind of come along with a tune and I've gone, oh shit, I didn't expect that. Um, I, ultimately, it's a good thing if people feel comfortable doing that and if they've got the outlet to do that, then then yeah, go for it. I'm all for it. Um, in terms of people not getting the recognition they deserve, I've noticed, you know, there's a fair amount of that as well. It's funny like how who you roll with and, and the circles that you fall into so massively impacts your sort of feedback on what you get back from the music. Because, yeah, like there's, there's, I mean, you could sit there, I could read off a list of several names of people that I'm just like, shit, why aren't they bigger than they are? And like, why aren't they getting more props? It just, yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny old game, but, you know, I mean, we've kind of covered, touched on that in the past, haven't we? And there's, there's a whole raft of reasons why some people get traction and some people don't and quite often you know as we've observed before it's not necessarily the people who make the better music is it it's marketing it's image it's it's your social media game it's all manner of things I think the whole music making game is a minefield these days good luck to anybody who's doing well from it well i'm i'm seeing the koala getting picked up but like gen, like slowly by label by label um and i think it's purely based on his talent you know especially given yeah. the country he's coming out of um, you know, you, you obviously got Vade and, and a whole other bunch of people pushing the scene over there. Um, but it's it, to, to 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 break it back where we are. It's it's not always easy. There's so much music yeah. that would be happening in that country that we don't know about. But this guy's managed to get it out there. Um, good luck to him, man. Good luck to him. Yeah, fucking good on him, um, man. All good, all good. All right, should we move into into your next pick? Yeah, next up, I've got a, I've got a cover of the D'Angelo R&B classic Brown Sugar uh, by Adam Chronic featuring, I think I'm saying this right, I think it's Jay Amore. Is it Jay or Jai? I don't know. It's J-A-I. I'm going to go for Jay Amore. Adam Chronic featuring Jay Amore with Brown Sugar. Thank you. 
smooth and sexy, man. Smooth and sexy. Nice, this, mate. Do you know, when you cover a track like that, it's real easy to fuck it up and it's very difficult to get it right. Um, and like straight off the bat, like you listen to that and, and it's just really slickly well done. For a start, the vocal execution is superb. Like, do you know what I mean? That you could get a lot of vocalists that would try to do that and arguably hash it, but I feel like he's done a really good representation of that track there. Um, and then in terms of the production, the way it's arranged and everything, it's all just really slick. It's all really smooth. It, like, it works. When I first listened to it, the first time I heard it, I had a sort of a slight issue with the way the, the, the keys, the main keys have been EQ'd. It, like, there's quite a lot of the low end has been removed and it kind of sounded a little bit thin and it jarred me the first time I listened to it. But I appreciate that obviously that's been done to make more room for the bass at the low end. And actually when you listen to the mix down as a whole, everything's got its place it all leaps out do you know what i mean everything's done really nicely the more i listen to it the more i like it like i like it this time more than i liked it the last time i heard it and i'll probably like it more again tomorrow it's just yeah it's, it's nice um i know i touched base with adam about it and he was a bit concerned because this is his first release and he said he wasn't really sure where it fitted in with garage at the moment because it's like I think it's 123 beats a minute it's quite slow it's kind of on the housey side of things right and you could argue you could you could go to that argument well is that garage is it how i don't even want to get into that Do you know what i mean i said to him actually i think you're worrying about nothing there because like me and you talked about it obviously on the podcast before right garage house is a big thing it's got its legs and actually a tune like that can kind of surf yeah, you know it can it can kind of appeal to those garage house lot but actually like somebody like you or i who might not necessarily play so much the garage house or even be invested enough to really spend a lot of time on track source would still be willing to pick that up and find a place for that in our sets and, and i've been playing it and it works and um i've been you can pitch it up to 135 and it sounds fine like obviously you like you use the master tempo because you don't want it to sound a chip monkey but it's, it works it works at either tempo and i feel like it ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of a lot of different people and i spotted um Adam actually shared a screenshot of TrackSource earlier and it's number one there on their um, on their garage chart, which is a good look, especially for your your first release. You know, TrackSource is a, a notoriously kind of niche fan base there. Like you're really appealing to people who are kind of, you know, very much on the house side of things. They're, the garage representation on TrackSource is arguably a bit hit and miss because a lot of people I've noticed don't distribute there. I think I've said to you before when we talked about distribution models, most stuff, if you're going to do a chart, you could chart pretty much the same thing on Beatport and Juno Download. You hop over to track source and half of the tracks are missing. Um, and when you look at the garage chart there, it is generally stuff that is kind of on that more US garage, traditional old school style of garage, garage as opposed to UK garage, as it were. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm speaking in riddles there. If you, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? Uh, so to actually be someone coming from the UK and be kind of looking at it and not necessarily intentionally making US garage, but just kind of trying to make something that serves both and hit the number one spot on a site like TrackSource, is, I feel that's a big achievement for your first especially for your first release. So, you know, props to Adam Chronic and, and good luck to him. And Jay Amore, Jay Amore, whatever your name is, I hope I'm saying it right, no offence. Um, great, great vocal execution there. I'm looking forward to more, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah well done um, for the number one spot. It's, yeah, it's, it's silky smooth and I was... I've used that phrase too much already this episode. Uh, silky smooth, but uh, silky smooth. Yeah. No, no, I'm all for silky smooth. Um, but Mind yeah, fucking, I was. Uh, you don't mess with the Zohan. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make the world silky smooth. Sorry, go on. <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah, I, I, I really all I was just thinking the whole time is I want to crank the pitch up. Literally, just want to just get it and just crank it down. And it's, you play at one three five. That's interesting. I, I play at one three four. That's been that's my sweet spot. 
Um, <laughs> it's in, just interesting to hear. I, I remember way back before I was really. Um, this is completely going off topic, isn't it? Um, but I remember before I was like banging to the CDJ kind of thing. I remember someone complaining about dubstep DJs just jumping on the decks and then setting everything to 140. And it's like everything they produce is at 140 anyway. And they was kind of moaning that it was cheating, but it's like everyone, everyone uses the BPM oh readout my. on these decks. And if you say otherwise, you're lying. Right? You, yeah, you, for sure. Anyway. That's a that's remember, another remember, another rant for another day. It's a valid it's a valid discussion to have. I remember Ezek getting flack on Uptown for it. Do you remember? Like, I mean, Uptown was notoriously bitchy and moany. Like, I, I loved it, but hated it at the same time. But there, I remember so many posts about, oh, Ezek's playing at one thirty nine or you know one forty plus. That's too fast. And like, you know, it's just part of it's the it's the DJ's prerogative and the DJ's choice. And if you don't like it, don't fucking listen. Do you know what I mean? But um, it is interesting. It is an interesting one because I, I know. Like I've definitely played a lot faster than one thirty five back in the day. In those in those lost years as well. Like yeah, I felt yeah. like there was a lot of people that were really up in the tempo. And I, yeah, I definitely played especially when the baseline thing came along, I definitely played north of one forty at times. Uh I wouldn't do it these days, and I think a lot of the records that are being made now, if you tried to, would probably sound ridiculous at that tempo. Um yeah, it is weird. It's it's weird it is um it's weird though, just how if I listen back to an old vinyl set and you're using vinyl pitching like it would go obviously it would like you said it would go squeaky right and I, I can't I can't believe that that used to be just I was happy with that I'd play those tunes and mess with the pitch because you're really not hearing the tune how it was intended when it come out of the studio and that's why obviously yeah. I love the pitch lock thing and why I would play a tune like this that is such a low BPM by comparison of what I'd usually play because you wouldn't lose what the original artist intended it to sound like apart from in pace um but yeah, great work. Well done for the number one spot. And uh, and yeah, I look forward to hearing hearing more from, from these guys. Let's move on. So my next pick, I, I, I don't, I'm, I get, I, I'm not like it's so many tunes sent to me, but it's like if I commented on every single tune that was sent to me, be it positive or negative, I'd never get a radio show set up because you just, you don't have the time. Uh, this tune came through and I had to reply back and I'm like, oh my God. What, what is like, I can't believe what he's done. Like, I can't remember what my exact words, but I was just blown away at this tune. So we just got to listen to it and uh, and talk about it. And he's landed on Strictly Flavor, uh, and it is a friend of the show, Mr. Shinji Fuji. And this tune is entitled Colors.
want to turn that one down to talk about it. There's just yeah. so much going on in it. There's so mm-hmm. much going on. How many different little bits has he added in to like just what that one small section there? Like it's sure. absolute. Like I just love that it's creative and it's you know a little bit off key, um, and and it and, and it's bumpy. And I, I, I love. I think I'm. I think I more love that how it's put together rather than the general vibe itself. Um, you know, it, it may not be the most standout tune if you dropped it in a club somewhere, um, but for for what how it makes me feel when I think about the effort and the emotion and the cleverness that he's had to put in to build those layers up to put that composition of noises together to make it come out to sound like that, um, phenomenal. Uh, great yeah. work, Shinji. Just great, great work. You you can tell listening to it that a lot of love went into that. You know, like you, I think you you hit the head there when you said time. Like, yeah, he's obviously got a very clear vision in his mind of how he wants his music to sound, and obviously willing to sit there and really put the time into getting it that way. And it really it stands out to me because you, you like if you go if you went onto one of the download sites now and downloaded, you know, the fifty top tunes. A lot of them are going to be. I mean, everything, every, everything's based, uh, loop based, right? I mean, that's the fundamental basis of dance music. So a lot of it's going to be loops. And actually, if you break down the back end on a lot of these tracks, it's just basically, in essence, the same thing for minutes at a time of like little bits shopping in and out. But like you said, you take a relatively small section of, of, of that track right there, and there's so much coming in and out. You've got like the little guitar licks, and then you've got the organ stab, and you've got little Rhodes lick that's kind of all, almost Higo esque. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. You, you can tell that he's, he's obviously got a very musical, uh, very high aptitude for music. He's obviously very skilled as a musician and he manages to bring that into Garage in a really clever way because I, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. It's always a pleasure. Um, I actually I had that one shortlisted on my list. I, I was slightly annoyed because I did want to talk about the remix that he did for me for my Jazz Defender <laughs> remix CP. And then I heard that and I was just like, yeah, now we've got to talk about that. Actually, that's fucking brilliant. And I'm really pleased to see it doing so well as well, because I said to you before the show, didn't I? I was surprised when I logged into, I went on Beatport the other week and there it was at the top of the, the releases. I wouldn't expect the Beatport lot who would generally lean towards a harder full form bass heavy sound. I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't necessarily be expecting them to get on board with it, but obviously enough of them have that it, it's done really well. So fucking well done. Shinji and, and good luck to you. It's maybe good, it's Tokyo there. maybe it's genre surfed a bit and it's gone outside of the garage circle and that's why it's hitting so high. If it's in on Possibly. the garage charts, it could be. Well, see, it's out on Strictly Flavor, right? And Strictly Flavor is one of those labels that's got little different offshoots. You know, it's Strictly Flavor, and and then they've also got Sunday Flavors, right, which would appeal to to a kind of a, a sort of slower paced, more chilled kind of vibe. They've also now got strange times, haven't they, and other plans. Do you know what I mean? So they've got lots of offshoots that appeal to a lot of different people. If somebody maybe that normally gets the Sunday Flavors releases has listened to that and gotten on board with it, I could see why it might appeal to those people as well. Um, but it's all good. So I'm just happy to see something that fantastic doing well because it's deserved. So you mentioned he dropped a remix for you on your Jazz FM <laughs> remix EP. Did anyone else do any interesting remixes on that one, Rob? <laughs> Funny you should mention that. <laughs> that leads nicely into my next selection, which is the Howden remix of Think About You by, uh, by yours truly.
Daydreaming in the office uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think I accidentally like fell on my mouse and it clicked a link that pressed play on one of your radio shows. <laughs> and I thought I'd listen to it just because I was there. And, uh, and I came across this remix in there, and I was like, oh my god, this is phenomenal. Um, and yeah. that's just why I kind of messaged you, like, oh my god, the hell the remix. It was so, so good, man. So good. I mean, we knew we knew before that, obviously, that Howden is a skilled dude, right? I don't think I've heard a tune by him yet, which I don't like. Um, but I mean, that yeah, that remix in particular just blew me away. I mean, "Think About You" was one of my personal stat, my personal favourites from from that album, right? I really had an affinity, like a close bond with that tune. I was really, it was one of the ones that I was most most pleased with, and it's one. A number of people who had downloaded the album had said to me, yeah, I think Think About You is my favourite one. But when I approached the guys to remix it, so the, the release has got a remix by Howden, it's got one by BWK, one by Shunji Fuji and one by Laura Alice. And I basically went to each of them and was just like, look, here's stems for every track. Have a listen, see which one is calling out to you. Let me know what you want, which one you want to do just so we don't get any duplication. And as, as luck would have it, they all picked different tracks, which worked perfectly, right? Howden came back and said, oh, I think I want to give Think About You a try. And there's like a part of me, like, especially like as an artist, when you're really proud of a tune, like there's always going to be that slight concern or like, is it, is it going to, is it going to sound the same? Am I going to like it? Uh, and he came back to me, like, turned it around really quickly and like it exceeded any expectation I might have had and blew my original out of the water. Um, and I just was just like, mate, you've absolutely fucking killed it. And I could say that for any of the remixes and the release, actually. Like, part of me feels a little bit bad for singling this one out because I did it on an R and I was just like, I'd like to give them all a shout because they all put time into that release and it was, you know, I'm massively appreciative for it. Uh, but I think of all, all, all the remixes there, this is the one that's been getting the most support across the board. And I think it's it's the standout in terms of like the, the stats and stuff, the one that's sold the most, the one that's streaming the most. It's obviously kind of, you know, a lot of people are, are giving it a little nod. Um, worth discussing on that basis, I think. But just just great work. Great work. Yeah, I mean, how, I mean, Howden's doing things, man. Like he, he's not been on the scene for for that long, but he, you know, his quality's been there since he, since you first heard one of his tunes, and and like you say, he's absolutely delivered on that. It's like when I when I heard it on that show, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, like I think it, it's some for me personally. I just because I haven't got the brain for it, it's hard for me to, to envisage what a remix might sound like of a particular tune. Um, and like you say, he's like he's taken that, and I'm not going to say he's blown the original out of the water. He's put his own take on it, which is of as as higher quality as stuff that you've done, you know. Um, and it's it's just a great tune. Um, and thank you for for putting the time in for that and blessing us with it. And and congrats on all of the many success you've had with with that 
Remix EP. It seems like it's charted a few places and got out there. Number one on Juno, number two on Beatport. Didn't quite get the one on Beatport, but I'll take the two. I mean, it was in the um, the, the Beatport top 10 for a month consecutively, a whole month, which um, I was quite pleased with. You know what I mean? It's Given the music that, I, cycle, I, I, that's, that's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you consider how many tunes we have to sift through to pick out our favourites for the show and how easy it is for stuff to get forgotten to, to stand out for that, you know, a period of time is, is, is not a bad look at all. But it's interesting if you, if you look at like the Beatport Top 100 uh, or even the Juno one for that matter, there are just certain releases that I swear have been there for like a whole year now. Um, I would love to know the numbers they're doing and how they're doing it. Like, it's, it's, it's incredible. I can't think it was, I posted a, a screenshot of the Juno one just being like, yes, number one in Juno. And, um, and it was the Alex Perez release. Somebody like immediately replied on, on the, my Facebook post saying, like, well done, this is great, but how the fuck is that Alex Perez release still up there? And I don't even know how long it's been out, but I was just like, yeah, do you know what? That's been around for fucking ages, man. Um, good luck to anybody who can keep a tune, a tune or a release alive for that length of time, because that's a work of art in itself. Completely, completely. Well, um, well done to, to you more so than Alex Perez. <laughs> let's um let's move on um so my last pick for today i've got a remix of a man that is he feels like he's the go-to for bassy naughty s naughty's esque two-step at the moment um the original is by uh hypho featuring logan tune's called gone past and on the remix we have bakey Savage bass to round it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Almost your wild card for the month, eh? Yeah, it's got to be done. It's got to be done, mate. I mean, I love, I love a bit of Bakey, and Bakey's just been doing several bits. Um, some of the stuff he's been putting out on Time Is Now is wicked. It was nice to see him remixing Hypho. Uh, Hypho's a guy that I've been following for quite a few years and got a lot of respect for the stuff that he does. Um, he's kind of pivoted more away from the core kind of genre that I'm into um, but it's nice for him to bring back someone like Bakey to 
bring it back on track for where I like it. And Logan is a is a great lyricist as well, great vocalist. I, I like the stuff that he does. Um, and yeah, I just I really like this tune. I, it's the first time I noticed the um, there's like a manic laughter in the background as it drops. I never noticed that before. <laughs> you know, you'll probably have to listen to that in post rather than over the bad Skype connection. Um, but yeah, I don't know what, what, what you're thinking of it. Yeah, it's, it's slick. It's slick. There's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of layers there. Do you know what stands out to me about Bakey? Is there's a lot of the um, the kind of retro, almost breaky, bass heavy two step, right? Um, doing the rounds, and a lot of it. I think I, said, I think I used the word forgettable before. A lot of it, I, I would, I don't want to, want to sound harsh or anything, but a lot of it sounds to me like maybe people are making it because they don't have the technical ability to do anything that's got more musical elements to it and that's not a criticism that's just ha- some people lean towards that kind of that textured and kind of savageness some people lean to the, towards the more musical side a lot of it that I'm hearing just sounds a bit like bare and minimal almost like it's somebody learning their craft as they go along do you know what I mean I don't know, I don't know if that makes sense yeah, when I'm saying yeah, yeah. That. it's like it's, it's not quite it, it's not polished but it's not intentionally not polished they just can't polish it yet whereas with Bakey you've got somebody who's very fucking skilled and like you listen to like all the little bits and pieces and the way that tune's arranged it's very fucking clever like I would hazard I haven't heard any anything under a different alias by him I haven't heard anything that would lead me to believe other, otherwise but like when I listen to that I'm just like yeah this geezer is capable do you know what I mean and I think that's what sets his tunes apart because they are they, they sound the way they do by design I think whenever you've got a clear idea in your mind of how you want something to, to sound it's going to translate better and I think a lot of those real crossover massive artists not necessarily from Garage but it would include the Garage crossover artists a lot of the crossover artists they're the people who go in and they're like visionaries they go into the studio they know exactly how they want it to sound they craft it to sound like that that's the impression I get when I hear Bakey and, and I think that's why it's also high level uh, this is a great that tune's a great example of it good shout mate yeah it's interesting that you said about the forgettable bassy two-step stuff and, and I totally get what you're saying it's like this is, I think we've talked before about people putting a lot of that stuff out to chuck out on vinyl and there's so many times I'll hear a tune and I'll be like oh yeah that's alright I'll grab that and then you click through and then it's like yeah it's £12 and there's two tunes on it and I'm like okay it's just not 1998, 99 anymore. I'm not interested in that. Um, yeah. But the, the thing that interests me in what you said is, is that it sounds like they're still learning their craft and therefore is, it's of a lower quality. And I, and I always, for some reason, automatically just thought that was by design. I thought they was just having a bit of a nostalgia wank. And it's like, I want to sound like the old, um, you know, early noughties bass stuff. And, you know, they add the vinyl crackle in because that's not overdone or anything at the moment, you know. Uh, and and it all and then mix it down in a way where it sounds a bit flatter. I honestly I I didn't take that as in as bad skill. I took that as they're trying to get it to sound like the good old days, which are good old days to us. Whereas to them, it's like oh, there's a thing that happened before I was born. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe I can dress up like that, you know. Um, I don't know. It could it could be either or. To be honest, it could be. Yeah. It could be. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe I'm being harsh or presumptuous saying that. I mean, sir. I'm not going to go name any artists because that'd be probably cunty, wouldn't it? But like, certainly there is stuff I hear and I'm just like, oh, like, I just, I just almost want to go. Do you know what? Sit it out for a year or two. Come back when you're, you know, you're, you're trying to say ready. No way of me saying it without sounding really judgmental. But I think there's a lot of music in 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 history and in particular in Garage's history. And when you look at 
the genres that like the, the, the niche subgenres and the trends that Garage has gone through. I feel like a lot of the grime sound, and I've said this to you before, and I'm, I don't know whether you agreed with me or disagreed at the time. I feel like a lot of grime and how grime kind of was for a long time was almost accidental. Um, I feel like some of those I- I- initial pioneers, like obviously some of them were like deliberately doing it, but I feel like a lot of them weren't capable of getting their drums to sound snappy and skippy and they weren't capable of doing two-step and they, they, they kind of tried and they kind of came out with grime and it shaped grime and like, like good luck to it, good luck to them and I, and I love how grime has developed and I, I like grime, I listen to a fair bit of grime myself now so it's not like, I'm not being like, oh it's shit but there are clearly people and even people who were kind of seen as pioneers of that kind of initial grime movement that I would say I don't think they necessarily sat down and went, I'm going to make something that sounds like this. I think they just kind of did what they could and it happened. And as luck would have it, it was kind of that far out the box and it all, all that different to what was being made that it stuck. And I feel like there's a certain degree of that happening with some of the more minimal bass heavy two-step at the moment. I may be wrong. I apologise to anyone if that comes across as offensive because I don't mean it as a criticism. It just is what it is. Everyone learns as they go right. Do you know what I mean? It's part of the part of the course. Um but yeah, that's that's just what it strikes me as. I mean, you look at you look at Garage's history, man. Like you, you look at it happened with Grime. You kind of had a similar kind of thing with Baseline as well. I feel like some of those when when you say Baseline to most people, most people think those Ministry of Sound, the Sound of Baseline annuals, right, that, that were released in sort of two thousand eight and two thousand nine. But Baseline was around long before that, and it was had a very different sound, and there were like different subsections to even Baseline. So actually, that kind of bastardized popular version of baseline that was never the stuff that i liked that was never the stuff that a lot of those kind of niche ravers at sydney street went for they they liked the organ stuff they liked the warpers and, and the stuff that was kind of slightly evolved speed garage and i feel like that bastardized version of baseline that came along and really blew up was done by people some of whom came from grime who maybe were trying to emulate the kind of more warpy sound couldn't quite do it or just kind of accidentally did it their own way and and that was always my view with that. And I think it, a similar kind of thing happened with Funky. And I think it will, con- you know, part of part of creativity and doing something outside of the box is that you have a different approach, right? It's approaching things differently. And people are going to approach them differently if they don't understand fundamentals that other people are doing. Do you know what I mean? So it, when I say it, I don't want it to sound harsh or like I'm criticising people. I think it is just what it is. It's part of music. As somebody who likes to go into the studio and with a vision of exactly what I want to do perhaps I find it a little bit frustrating when someone kind of lucks across something perhaps it's a part of me that's bitter and that's why I'm kind of suggesting it but I I think that is part of it and I and I think you know that is the way it is with some of that two-step I think there's, diff- I think there's different there's, there's different types of producers mate there's different types of producers there's musos and then there's tech boys I don't know or what other way someone that's got a musical ear but isn't classically trained and you're always going to get different ends of the scale. You're going to pick apart some key clash somewhere. They're going to pick apart that your music sounds too musical and not hardcore enough. And and that's yeah. just and it's you know yeah. it's two different two different goals being seeked when the project starts, and potentially two different audiences. Um, not yeah, one's absolutely. right and not one's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree that. And ultimately, it's it creates a wider palette of sounds, right? So ultimately, it like it sounds like I'm being negative, but it, ultimately, I acknowledge that it's a good thing. And yeah, I you you're absolutely right in saying that I can be a bit snobby and 
and sort of pretentious when it comes to this kind of thing. I acknowledge that. I'm a wanker. I didn't, you know, I didn't say any of those day. words, Ruff. I didn't say any of those words. Just running <laughs> you yourself into the ground, to. mate. You didn't need to, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we, talk, should we look at the best of the rest? So we, we, we've had a, a bit of time since the last episode, so we're going to we're gonna do an additional 12 each, we've said. Yes. Even though you've snuck in a bonus 13th on the quiet as well, I've seen. I have, but I know you like that that bonus 13th, so I know you're not spitting feathers over it. First up on my best of the rest list, I've got uh, the new one from MJ Cole, which goes by the name of I Need. It's available right now at 892 Recordings. It's been a minute since we had new two-step from MJ Cole, but it is most welcome, and here is why. snatch that one for my last radio show completely forgot to snatch it blasphemous blasphemous yes mate. completely my first pick is uh, you text me about this tune and went, make sure you check out the new Sharda I did check out the new Sharda it was the absolute tit uh, listen to let it go uh, it's a wicked tune it's high quality it's uh, a little bit different a little bit wonky love the vibe on it big up I think I introduced it last month on my radio show was most mental tune of the month because it's just so out of the box thinking but yeah love it it's just crazy uh, next up on my list I have the Kells dub of Live and Direct by Midnight Moon featuring Young Ghost uh, it's available now via Downplay uh, it's just a lovely bass heavy club ready two step track that you need in your ears up the bizzle uh, my next pick we gushed over this guy last year bass trick uh, he's got a new one out it's called v- favela i'm not drunk i promise and uh it's uh you know it's a bit of a warper be up your street mate um i don't know if you've heard this one yet but i'm absolutely loving the bass on this big old tune straight out of france Big up bass trick. He's doing things, man. He's, he's a busy guy. Do you follow his socials? He is busy, man, and he's playing all over the place and all kinds of festivals and, and gigs in France. So good luck to him. Uh, next on my list, I have got the Higo remix of Don't Forget My Love by Diplo and Miguel. It's available now via Parlophone Recordings. Uh, how could we not spotlight this? One of us had to. It's just such a just standard, typical Higo badness. So uh, get on that. Go scope it out. It's, it's wicked. Had it on my shortlist too. Um, Higo appearing on a Diplo remix on Parlophone. Is he going clear? That's the question. He's uh, he's on route, mate. Trajectory. Big up, Higo. My next one is a bit more fun uh, and a bit more crazy. Um, John Masurfer, I'd say. Miss Pink times Big Red Cap. And this one is called Bass Face. And it's just, it's a fun, silly tune. Love it. Uh, let me see your bass face, man. Grab this one. Listen to it. Big up. Next up on my list, I've got, I've got uh, the recent single from Laura Alice. goes by the name of Come Over. It's available via Lamb. Um, I've been supporting this one for ages, actually, because Laura sent it to me a while back. 
Um, pleased to see it's finally out there. It's a, a nice amalgamation of a, a kind of garagey vibe with some elements of bass, but done with that kind of feel-good Laura Alice trademark vibe. That's a smile on face. As an aside, actually, I was pleased to hear to, to see uh, Radio About One. About to say, seeing, well. seeing her face all over the place. Always, She's uh, always big a big up Laura Alice, doing things. <laughs> um, my next pick, I mean, how could I not pick a tune from this guy? Um, MPH. He's uh, got a late, his latest, uh, well, the, the EP this is off was a two-tracker. This is the lead single called Barrington, and it's just MPH-based badness. Like, you know, the standard's there, and I don't even need to tell you to listen to it. Just do it. Here you go. shortlisted I didn't put it forward as one of mine because I felt confident you would <laughs> thanks for not disappointing yeah um, next, up, <laughs> next up on my list I've got the two-step mix of play dirty by Jay Ward and two-tone it's available now via strange times and it is just a great vintage bass heavy two-step track that sounds like the sound of the pirates at the turn of the century it's just what it makes me think it just makes me think of listening to pirate radio back then brilliantly done my next pick this guy is sending this guy is sending on this tune that's all i'm gonna say todd edwards done with you just listen to the lyrics he's gunning someone down um and, and you know he's back to kind of that um that, that Todd vibe that we all know and love um, with the heavy hitting percussion, uh, the vocals, uh, brand new take on stuff. Just, yeah, go back for a, a bit of classic Todd in, on his, in his modern times. I like it when Todd does, does his own vocals. I know we touched on that before, didn't we? I like hearing Todd's vocals. I think he's a better vocalist than he gives himself credit for. Um, next on my list, I've got Disguise by Seven Keys and Lots. It's available on Bad and Basie. Uh, really threw me when I first heard it because Bad and Basie is a label you typically associate with kind of hard-hitting bass-heavy 4-4, right? And it's just the most laid-back, uh, guitar-laden, musical, vibing jam, and it just makes me feel warm, so go check it out. Right, uh, next one. So there's an EP dropping on Troublemakers. This is the first time the Troublemakers have had uh, an ex external set of artists on their label. Uh, the tune I've picked off this EB uh, is Mando times Veterans, and it's called Sinister. It is exactly that. It is a bass beast. Um, a proper gully gutter rhythm. Um, big up to um, Ricochet and big up to, to um, Juice Man on running the troublemakers big up uh, next up on my list I have the recent single from Baker called keep your heart um, not much I can say about this other than it's standard Baker goodness you need this in your life especially if you like a musical two-step jam so go scope it out I know the audience. 
I know that you, you're bang into Danish music. I know you're bang into female rappers. You want some Danish female rapping two-step? I've got the tune just for you. Both of you are going to be bang involved um, with Sim. And this one is called Have Did Glass, which means raise your glass. Um, it is Danish garage, mate. And I like this one. Appreciate the translation there. I did, I did wonder what the title was, but I'm enlightened now. Uh, next up, I've got uh, a track called Ravers Dub by Reese Dixon and Chris Moore. These two are churning out tunes at the moment. This one is a standout in recent times for, from what they've done. Uh, it's a nice, updated speed garage stroke bassline. I'm using the air quotes there uh, but it rolls um, it's got a lovely drop on it and yeah just just wicked wicked vibes big up everything uh, this one is a no-brainer taken from time is now all stars volume three i believe why you cutie back once again with pick me up quality quality tune um check out that whole ep from time is now you know they've got they've got um the uh, the artists of of now. That's why it's called Time Is Now. Love this one. Big up. Next up, I've got the BWK Project remix of Collie Borders track World, available on Kosher. Uh, Kosher, Kosher. I reckon it's Kosher actually. So I mean, then it's Kosher Audio. Um, it's it's. Do you know what? It's one of BWK's four um, four uh, rollers, and I think for a guy who does two step and is known for two step, uh, he does four four incredibly well. This has got a real good bumpy vibe to it. Uh, definitely one for the dance floor. Freebie alert. Grab this one for free. Mr. Power has put this out. It's called Baby Girl and it is your standard top quality Para sampleage um, from the classic rhythms going into a rolling stomper. Quality, quality tune. Grab it now from his SoundCloud. And I'm hoping it's streaming, but probably not. You love all that, Rob. streaming as far as I know I've not seen it on there uh, next up on my list I've got a track called Fur Emma from A-Trap uh, A-Trip sorry beg your pardon it's available on A-W-A-L I don't know if you've heard this yet Greg if not you need to go check it out it's wonky experimental forward thing in future garagey kind of vibes uh, kind of shades of frost from friends in it it's just wicked and, and you kind of get lost and, and immerse yourself in it so go give that a listen now if you haven't already Next one is taken from Marwan's latest EP on GS Dubs. This is the third track on the EP entitled Wind. Uh, I love a bit of Marwan. He's been putting out quality freebies on SoundCloud for the past couple of years and he's now breaking through getting these EP releases. Uh, grab this EP from GS Dubs. Uh, loving it. Large up to Marwan. Next up on my list, I've got, this This is one of my favourite tracks so far this year. It's a track called Rosalina. Uh, it's by Opidan. It's taken from the Soul EP. Uh, and it's just fucking beautiful. 
I don't need to say anything else about it. It's just beautiful. Legit, first time I'm hearing this one. Um, uh, how long ago did it come out? Uh, I want to say a couple of weeks. It's, it's quite recent. It's, yeah, gonna have I to think snatch it. it. I think it I think it's been overshadowed by the, um, the the collaboration with Hans Leder. I think that's the one that's been getting a lot of traction. But for me, this was my, my obvious pick. Fits in quite well with with you know the sort of thing that I like. More Mario Kart vibes. Uh, Delfino Square. Now you've got Rosalina. Nice. Um, my next one is taken from the latest Night Base. Um, this is Night Base compilation. I think they're up to fourteen now, something around there. Fourteen. Yeah. Ah, that's a good guess. Um, this one, the one I picked <laughs> off of this quality quality EP is by a guy called Nostalgics, and it is called My Type. It is m- probably my favourite from there, and there is Hans Glader on there. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm loving this one. Um, everything you can expect from Night Base wrapped up in a in a banging bassy tune. Next up, I've got a track from myself, which is out imminently. So by the time you hear this podcast, you're probably going to be able to get hold of it via Bandcamp. This is You All Know Me by Fanatics, available via Rid Records. Uh, lot of speed garage doing rounds at the minute. Some of it I'm not so keen on, so I thought I'd jump in there and try and show some people how it's done. I have to say, Robert, that song is quite blue. It is quite blue. <laughs> <laughs> there may be there may be a hidden message there in, in the lyrics. I don't know. You can read into it what you like. No <laughs> All right, um, I'm wrapping up my selection with this beautiful jazzy number from Window Sun, and it's called "Slept in the Ocean." I mean, just come on now. How can you not just lay back on a sun lounger with some form of bifta or cocktail and just chill out to this one? Absolutely love the vibe on it. Wicked tune. Um, big up window sun. Grab this one now. Uh, man, I'm so glad you ended with that one because I had it in the back of my mind and somehow forgot to have it on my list, which I'm really fucking with myself for. I think um, Strictly Flavor sent it to me ages back, so I'd, I'd almost forgotten off. I don't say forgot, forgotten it because it's not a forgettable trap, but it almost kind of fall into the back of my mind. But great shout, fucking great shout, mate. Um, yeah, the other one that obviously we're not going to be able to add to the Spotify playlist, but which I wanted to just big up nonetheless because it's a quality freebie and who doesn't love a freebie is the uh, infamous Goose remix of Bad Life uh, by Sigrid and Bring Me the Horizon. Do you know, weirdly, I hadn't, I don't listen to a lot of daytime radio and I don't think I'd heard the original before I heard the remix. I heard the original today just when I was in the car. And I was just like, oh, this is shit. This needs infamous goose on the remix. So big up the goose because he's he's fucking smashed it. I mean, you, you've you've probably seen me post on, on the socials, right? 2022, year of the goose. That's what I'm saying. It's year, year of the goose. Mate, he's sent me some tunes. He's got a string of singles lined up and they're fucking belting. So uh, big up yourself, mate. Keep them coming. When the world is on your shoulders. Always letting the goose loose, mate. I'm always letting the goose loose. And <laughs> the goose he's, loose. he's wicked. It's, it's big up the goose. And ever since he sent me, he's, he sent me tunes. I've just been supporting him, um, and it's wicked. He's just this tune's as quality as as the rest of them. Yeah. 
is they're, they're high level man like the, the every element in his track has its place the arrangements are well thought out the mix down to top notch we just finished recording a track together so you're hearing that here first um and i'm looking forward to that one dropping because yeah so yeah, i don't want to say don't want to give too much away <laughs> it's too late you've already done it mate everyone knows um so yeah all the tunes you hear um on this uh little list we've compiled here we will make readily available on our spotify playlist which you can subscribe to now by visiting in the ukgarage.com forward slash recommends uh thank you roberto for kindly curating that sexy playlist of beautiful garage i better get on and do it <laughs> with you saying that i better go on and do that chop chop son Good. chop chop all right uh, so we're gonna take a, a little trip back in time uh, as as we do uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go first this time around. Uh, I've decided to pull out a classic from someone that goes by a different name now. Um, at the time when he put this EP out, he put an EP out called the Jazz Mataz EP, um, which was a time when there was lots of, I say lots, there was instances of people doing 4-4 with kind of slowed down old school tunes in the middle. When I say old school, I'm talking like what? 30s, 40s, 20s, I don't know. Um, and then it drops back into Bumpy 4-4. So there was a Jazzmataz slowy down tune in there somewhere. And on the B side of this, is, I think this is the fourth track on the EP that I've selected here. Um, this is a little tune um, by someone called Scott Tonic, and it goes by the name of A Rude Boy. Scott Tonics, mate. Um, so, so early. Um, so, like, it's obviously known as Scott Diaz now, right? And uh, this was the first EP I bought on vinyl um, of music that he'd done. And and this was the tune that I liked and identified with the most on the EP. Um, and, you know, just listen to it back now, you can hear that, obviously, it's very early in his career. Like, there's way too much tops on it. Um, you know, it could do with probably a better master, a better mix down in general. Um, 
but you know, the, the vibe was there and the structure was there for what it was. And if you drop that right in a set, it rolls nicely at the point when the bass kind of drops in. And I just, I really liked it. And I just I say that, that, that was one of the, when the Lost Years kind of started, I think there was a lot of artists that were beginning their journey because because everyone had fucked off somewhere else and there was like this vacuum within Garage, people started putting out their first EPs, you know, like Duncan Powell put out his Bad So Good EP. Remember that one? Bad So Good. Uh, like, yeah, classic. One of my early kind of EPs that I bought. And I think this falls into that kind of, the, the first kind of stab at, uh, getting a record out there uh, yes yeah, so it's kind of just uh, good memories and, and obviously Scott went on to do a lot of cool things within the Lost Years a highlight for me was Headlock um, which he put out as a freebie at some point on an album I think and then ended up as a, on a vinyl with a remix um, but that was uh, remixing Image and Heap loved that song um, and it obviously took his journey off onto where he ended up with when he did the Kings of Swing um, and that was kind of great um, kind of garagey housey early garagey housey stuff but that was probably back when I don't, know, I don't even know what genre you would have slotted that into at the time because it was it was very much a genre surfer but that that's even a tune you could talk about in the lost years at, at any point but um, yeah obviously say, the, the journey of Scott Tonic to Scott Diaz has been a kind of long and uh, frivolous one and I wanted to kind of just call out his his early early stabs at garage a good shout mate he definitely deserves a nod for, for his contributions in the lost years and, and I think he, he doesn't necessarily get the nod that he deserves uh, I think he probably felt that way back in the day um, I know he's kind of publicly said since that he would prefer to pretend that these tracks don't exist and obviously that's part of the rebrand over to Scott Diaz but actually you know everyone starts somewhere there's nothing overtly wrong or offensive I always quite liked his tracks I liked what he was doing um, he clearly loves Garage and you can hear that in his tunes and uh, I, you know funnily enough I, I think I said to you before I think I might have even said it on the podcast before I think back in those lost years I could all, I always picked Will Phillips and Scott Diaz to go on to big things so I, I'm not surprised if I say Scott Diaz it would have been Scott Tony at that time <laughs> I could, you could always tell there was a lot of potential there and, and I'm not surprised to have watched his journey and seen how successful he's become uh, and you know and it's, it's deserved because the guy works hard so fair play to him good luck um, yeah I like this chat it's, it's not if I was going to pick one from the lost years it's probably not the one I'd pick but obviously I appreciate it. it's it's got that kind of nostalgic factor for you because it was obviously gelling quite well with what you were playing at the time um, I, I quite like some of the full full bits you did I think I mentioned before we went on air that Streets release something I always loved that it just uh, it's quite mellow kind of on the house you tip I feel like that was almost like during a transition into Scott it, it was like a, a halfway point with that one uh, but I quite liked that um, and I'm, I'm waffling now I'm waffling. No, there, there was another EP he did um, on Tantalise I think it was do you remember that one what did it have on it I remember the Strictly Flavour EP I had that one I loved that it had a Talib Quilly remix on it um, it had a Jill Scott one as well I think if I'm not mistaken no I'm going to have to Google it because it's um, it, I'm sure it was on Tantalise Recordings and it was um, and it I, I can picture it I can I can picture the 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 label. It's, it was called the Scott Tonic EP, apparently. Oh, it had hold on. What you're going to do and pull up on? Right. Do you remember that? I can't. I can't remember it. If I'm honest, oh. I'm, if I heard it, I'm sure I would. You know, we are going back 18 odd years here, mate. I'm an old man. Don't forget. Yeah, I mean that was a, that was another <laughs> EP that had great songs on, but it was let down by the, the way it was mixed and mastered. Um, 
and I found that with a lot of the kind of records in in the last years, it's kind of like you're playing with the EQ to try and get it sounding the way what? you want it to. I, th- I think I think at least part of that, and I'm just going on, on my own experience here. A, a part of that was the, the mastering engineers that were that people were using and the pressing plants that they were using. Um, I know, like a lot of my stuff back then was was dog shit because I was learning what I was doing. I was kind of learning as I went. Do you know what I mean? And, and definitely my mixed downs and stuff weren't up to scratch. I'm quite happy with where they're at now, but they definitely weren't there then. But they definitely weren't as bad as some of them maybe came out sounding on vinyl. I've, I've, I feel like, I mean, I know you've kind of touched on how you don't like vinyl before, uh, how sort of clumsy and awkward it is and, and, and the way that things sound a bit different. And quite often I, I've, I've found that if you get like a studio master of something and line it up against the vinyl, the vinyl, and I know I'm going to offend some vinyl purists by saying it, but the vinyl will kind of sound really, really dull and lifeless sometimes. Don't shoot me, don't at me, I don't want to hear it. I'm not getting into a vinyl versus digital dispute. But just based on my own experience, I know that there were a few tunes that I put out, which when I heard the pressing, I was just like, oh, that, you know, yeah. I mean, it was never great, but it could have been better kind of it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, so maybe part of that, that pressing not sounding as, as good as it could have been wasn't actually Scott's fault. I'm just Yeah, no, I think, I think, I think you're absolutely right, mate. I think, you know, you can, you can obviously make a vinyl sound great um, if you've got the right people behind it. And obviously when you're putting out vinyls into a micro genre that's got a very small following and you've got a limited quantity of cash. You're only going to be able to go to certain people. Whereas if you're like MJ Cole putting out an, an Amy Winehouse remix, you know, they're going to, that's going to be the cream of the crop. A one, number one jizz fest, best master in the mix. And you're going to get in uh, forever, um, pressed onto the cleanest platters graced on. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to not say something really, really crass and dirty. Cause I've been listening to a lot of comedians recently, but, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. It's like, like you, if you've got money, you can do you can do it well. If you haven't, you, you're gonna have to go to your back alley vinyl pressers that that do a, a good job, or they've got the work experience lad that's flicking the knobs as it goes between the bits to do the mastering. Yeah. You know, <laughs> do you know some of those some of the um, the, the pressing plants um, that were being used back then weren't even necessarily. It was, well, I don't think people were going to them because they were cheaper as such, but I think. They were kind of prioritizing those bigger releases, like as, a, as an example, an NJ Cole remix of Amy Whitehouse. They were kind of prioritizing that because I remember some of the pressings just taking an absolute age. I remember there was one EP in particular, um, which the pressing was fucked on, which we had to return to get it redone. And it took them about a month and a half to redo it. And I think part of that was just the people at the plant just going, ah, they're only a garage lot, they're only paying us for 500 at a time. Why are we going to prioritize that when this artist has come along and wants 2,000 pressed? Do you know what I mean? And you could sit here and argue all day about whether that's ethically right or wrong. It's just the way it was, I think, you know. Um, and probably the quality of it probably reflected that because it was probably just half fast. You say, you know, it's probably the T-Boys transition into, into mastering, like you say, or, you know, whatever, the whole host of reasons there. But hey-ho, it is what it is. Shall we move on to the next one? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, um, I'm looking at the clock. We're, we are running, we're running long, mate. We're already at 75 minutes. You know what, so, yeah, let's move on to the next Every one. Every person that I speak to that listens to the podcast says, oh, yeah, it could be longer. So I don't really need to worry so much. We, 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 Joe Rogan, we ain't. Um, <laughs> tell us the story behind the one that you've picked for your lost years yeah. uh, this, this well, month, Rob. Technically, Greg, so you're doing your lost years and your air quotes there, but the, the segment on our notes list is, is 
listed as forgotten gems. So whilst this may not mm. be from the last years, technically speaking, this is 2016. It was one that I chanced across recently. Somebody had mentioned um, a, a similar release by the same artist on the MJ Cole Discord, and I just happened to click on it and listen to it. I went, oh, I quite like that, and went back through this guy's catalogue, found this track. I no idea how you say this guy's name. He's a Japanese guy. It's T-A-M-A-M-E. I'm guessing that's Tama- Tamami, Tamame, something along those lines. Um, this track called Deadlock is taken from an album, which I'm also going to attempt to pronounce and probably butcher, called uh, Aku- Akuri Nusen Plan. Um, no, sorry, the label is Akuri Nusen Plan. The album is Akuri Nusen Kikaku 3. They do volumes where they, they're obviously like compilations where they get several artists to contribute a track. There's, I think it's four or five of them. They're all fucking wicked and they're quite experimental. This track just jumped out at me as being beautiful and being that it's six years old, kind of forgotten. I thought I'd share it.
I didn't want to stop it because I needed to. I needed to hear where it was going to go. Um, it's quite quite the journey that goes in and out for sure. For sure yeah. um, well, you know, because obviously we know we usually pick something from the last years, right? But the ethos, underlying ethos of the podcast is to unearth new tunes or you know shine a spotlight on tunes that you haven't necessarily heard of or aren't getting the credit they deserve. And, and I heard it. And I just I was like, oh, this is nice. I like this. It's, it, in places, you could argue it's a bit repetitive. It kind of chugs along, and you're like you're waiting for the next change. But actually, in terms of structure, it works really well because you know it, it builds and builds, and it's adding little elements in. It's essentially based around the same chord sequence and ostinatos going over and over again. But then, by the time you get to that breakdown in the middle, because of that, it gives that breakdown more impact. When it does, you're just ready for that lovely piano to come in. It's it's just kind of if I had to summarise it in one word, I'd probably use like lush. Just it, it create it creates a lot of different images in the mind. You could you could see it on a soundtrack or on an advert. Um, it's just a nice little piece of kind of garage-themed music, um, and, and I wanted to share it. Um, interesting thing with this label is, so Akuri Plan. they seem to be very selective about what you can only get from Bandcamp and what you're able to stream, because of all of their back catalogue, that was one of the only albums I could find when I looked on Spotify. Um, a lot of the others, if you want them, you have to go to their band camp. And, but perhaps there are Japanese stores and equivalents of some of the download sites that we use where their stuff is more readily available. But it would certainly seem if you want that stuff, you kind of go to source. Um, not a criticism or, or anything I have an opinion on, just something I'm stating in case anyone is interested. Uh, but if you Google them, uh, it will come up. And um, yeah, there's some nice stuff. It, it, this guy, Tamame, if I'm saying that right, I hope it's got that. This guy has obviously got some nice bits, not totally dissimilar to this. Uh, and then there's another guy on there called, I think it's Degrees Flux or something, like Degrees in the Degree Symbol Flux. He has some nice two-step bits as well. But the production levels across the board are pretty high, and it's obviously a, a label that's um, well-run and curated quite, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say exclusive, but obviously quite particular about what they take on. Um, yeah. So, so the degrees flux I've heard of before. I've got I've got a few of his bits. Right. Um, so I, yeah, he's he, I'm familiar with that guy. This guy Tamame, I'm I'm not familiar with. It's like you said, it does it does seem to get a bit repetitive. And when I was listening to it, I did think, yeah, I probably would have structured this differently. Um, you know, it's the it's just you know each to their own kind of thing. But then the breakdown does completely take it a bit left field, and it isn't. You know, you're not in the same place anymore. Um, so, you know, that means that the tune's designed to do something differently to what I would have done if I was yeah. putting the same tune together. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, and so, you know, I don't want to detract from it, but yeah, it's, it's, it, was, uh, it was a real nice, well done vibe. I, I wasn't expecting it. Um, it, it. Not a tidy little find. Um, I'll, I will definitely be following up on this label and see what else they've got um, to hand in their back catalogue for sure. Um, Thank you very much for that, You're Robert. Welcome, my friend. I appreciate it. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's um, let's jump out of the uh, out of the lost years and run headfirst into our gassing topic for for this month. Uh, you wanted to shine a light on what you consider to be fake stream counts. Would you like Indeed. to? 
detail yeah. what you mean by that, I sir. I feel like we should probably rename this segment of the show What Really Grinds My Gears. You know, like a family guy, and I should just start it off with, you know what really grinds my gears? This month I'm having a little moan about fake stream counts. That I was talking, I'm not going to go mention your names, but I was talking to uh, one of my music buddies. In fact, I was talking to a couple of them, and we, we were having a sort of general moan about labels uh, and a general discussion about uh, marketing costs and what marketing works and i suppose in a broader sense this conversation is going to be more about marketing music in 2022 than than it is specifically about fake stream counts unfortunately one of the things that is for me at least an issue is this issue of fake stream counts so what i'm referring to there is someone who maybe doesn't have a massive organic following you look at their pages they've maybe got a few hundred followers they've only got a couple of releases and then you go onto soundcloud or spotify or whatever your medium is and they've got millions and millions of streams and you think hmm that sounds a bit weird um and it's because it's utter bullshit and there's a lot of labels that are paying for streams still and i know that the streaming services say oh we're battling this oh we don't allow we delete people from our service um, I'm sure they do, but I, I'm sure other people get let off. I'm sure there are ones that they miss because I know for sure I'm looking at some people's statistics and I'm going, hmm, something seems a bit weird there. The frustrating thing is, um, and obviously we briefly touched on this before we started the show, we were now in an age, right, where stats and numbers and figures in terms of streaming are, our, are one of our primary indicators of what music is being successful. Um, and the unfortunate position is that like some of the bigger labels, one of their main criteria when they're looking at signing people or taking tracks on is like, oh, how well is this person doing? What numbers have they got behind them? You know, how many streams have they got? How many Instagram followers? And they're looking at things that can all be bought. Um, and it's almost like they must look at it and go, that's bullshit. But they don't care. And they take on the artist anyway, because they've got those numbers behind them. And with those numbers comes clout. Um, and in a sense, it's not massively dissimilar to back in the day when they might have been playing radio bluggers to go and bend the ear of the DJs and get certain tunes really promoted on radio or even paying stations directly to have a certain amount of exposure, right? It's just, I feel like the issue is more compounded because of how the industry is now and how it works. And just by sheer virtue of the fact that in essence, anybody can come along and make an absolute mockery of it by funneling a load of money into marketing and paying to be on these playlists and. Um, it's just it's a bit of a nonsense it's frustrating for me as an artist because i know that i personally don't have the money to be spending five grand promoting a tune to know that it's going to bring me a million hits and then down the line that's going to have other benefits to me it's also frustrating as as a listener because what in essence and i, and I know i'm always whenever i have one of these rants in our gassing section i'm always very idealistic in what i suggest would be better but in an ideal world what would be good is if you could just rely on the fact that the the, the music that was represented by the higher numbers and statistics and streams would be the better music and the stuff you want to listen to. But I mean, we know that's not true. We know that there's some real dog shit that does allegedly take, whether it does or whether it's done based on fake streams or not. I'm only speculating. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's just, it's a real shitty position for all of us as artists, as fans of music, as general lay people that want to tune in and, and know what's good to listen to. It's a shitty position for us to be in. Um, and I'm not happy about it. And I just wanted to have a little rant and get your thoughts on it. Uh, I mean, mate, look, the, the musical meritocracy could never exist in the plane that we have now. And the answer, the answer as to why the musical meritocracy could never exist is purely based on volume. There is too much stuff for every single human being to listen to everything and say, no, that is the best. Therefore, I must listen to that. 
and, and you know most people don't have the time to be you know spending go, to go through everything and decide this is the best thing and therefore I need to dedicate my time pushing this. So you have to rely on other people telling you what's getting shoveled into your ears. Traditionally, that used to be Radio One, uh, Capital FM, Kiss FM. You know all of the kind of classics, and then it went a little bit more onto music channels after that. I mean, I remember being a kid and you know watching the box and things like that, and obviously MTV and when MTV Bass come out, and you know they become a big part of which what shit is getting shoveled into your ears the most. Therefore, is the most popular. You know the next evolution beyond that. You know we started to decentralize technology, decentralize people started to self-publish. Got all these different platforms. Um, and then it's how do you now reach your audience when anyone can publish a song? Um, and the answer is exactly what you're saying. It's like these fake plays. Now, you're saying fake plays. Um, they have to come from somewhere. And I don't know whether they're all fake plays. So some of them are fake plays. And, and, and the classic example of where I see fake plays, which irritates the shit out of me, um, if you ever download anything from Hyped It, um, as soon as the download completes, it then moves you into a game of something it calls Hit or Shit, which is accompanied by an auto-playing SoundCloud song. Now, they're not asking you to play a game. They're auto-playing a fucking song so that their play count's going up. So that's like their way of getting stealth plays. Um, you know, some of the other ways of getting stealth plays on SoundCloud specifically is reposting to certain accounts. They've built up a following, and then the plays kind of just happen of people naturally kind of going through their feed. On Spotify, um, it's obviously slightly different, right? It's um, th- uh, There may be a lot of bots that are creating the plays, but some of it is going to be getting placed onto popular playlists that will generate these plays no matter what. So they'll still get heard by people. And I think that's kind of got to be the difference. It's what plays do you consider to be fake plays where they're completely fabricated and unheard of, or and which plays are legitimately... Someone's paid for placement, therefore an, an ear hole has heard that song and then therefore it's had some value to it. Like that, there's, there's, I think there's definitely two different types of fake plays there. Um, and, and do you consider the latter a fake play or is it just, again, promotion? I don't even know. Um, but, and, and to your point about the numbers, I mean, I think that's probably just, again, sheer volume. How do you... S- how do you surf through the sea of shit without using the tools available to you? The first tool you, and beyond just looking at numbers, any label or AR is going to be thinking, what audience can you provide to me? If I, if I put my brand next to you, how much do you amplify me? That's why followers are important. And it's, I guess the fallacy is they don't care whether they're real followers or not. Um, and and that's where it kind of starts to fall down. But I mean, I think that would fall apart pretty quickly if if you're posting to a non to an audience that is gigantic, but then the the likes you're getting back is so small, then it means your audience is fake. It's as simple as that, you can right? Fake likes as like, well with it, can't you? You know, if you if you go on like you used SoundCloud as a, as, a, as an example there, if you were to go and try and buy um, reposts or plays or followers. You can always buy likes with it. You can buy comments with it. You can, oh, this is the thing. And, and, and you're absolutely right in everything you say. Um, I'm going back to just being idealistic again. It's because we're so reliant, because there is so much stuff out there, we're so reliant on algorithms 
and and almost like chart type features which which bump up the ones that are got the most but we're reliant on that so then to abuse those statistics undermines all of it and i would say that actually you said like it would fall apart pretty quickly if you've only at the risk of sounding like a whingy moaning old man here you only got to turn on daytime radio and listen to it for five minutes and you inevitably sit there going well this is a load of shit i heard something earlier that i was i was properly ranting at the wife in the car about how shit it was and even she turned around and went yeah do you know what you're right it's dog shit um it, it, I, it's, Isn't that just part of getting old, though, mate? The, the, the next well, no, generation's it, music is shit what, compared to what you I like. I can't remember what this, this, this track was, but it was true. Like even like you, you couldn't use being old as an, as an excuse for it. It was just dog shit. Um, alas, I, don't, I do. I digress. I, yeah, I, it's it's. I don't know. I just um, and I'm not. Do you know what? I'm not even sitting here moaning because I'm angry at people for doing it because it's kind of like, it's like that. If you can't beat them, join them thing, right? I can totally understand why if you had five grand expendable there that you didn't care what it happened to it you might go well fuck it i'm just gonna buy my way onto shit loads of high level playlists um and you can really make a difference you know i was talking to one of my mates about labels and their mark their, their budgets this is how like we kind of got talking about this and he, he he's doing fairly well for himself outside of garage he's does a lot of house and stuff um and he said that some of the labels that he's working with and on some of the, the singles they've released the budget for for the marketing and essentially for playlisting type money is sort of upwards of three two three grand so the label will pay that money knowing that they get a return on that money because that track ends up on all these different playlists it's, and i get that i even get that from the labels point of view i get why they do it it all makes sense it's just and I, again i'm being idealistic it's just such a shame that ultimately it all always boils down to money and i think like this this issue with fake numbers and fake data just kind of highlights that in a way that is perhaps more apparent than it's ever been you know back in the day you used to listen to radio and it never maybe it's because i was younger and naive but it never really occurred to me that radio plug-in was a thing and that the reason you were hearing certain things was because money was changing hands um but i think it was because you had the record you had it was more difficult to put a record out you still had an, an element of quality control there right so it was there was less stuff coming out and it was even if it was apparent it was less apparent because of that whereas now like we live in this digital era and like i said we're well you know we're pretty much solely reliant on going like you said you rightly said you haven't got the time to sift through 10 million tracks a day have you so you go right which one's building traction you prioritize listening to that first or you don't even necessarily consciously do it, but it jumps out you oh, i've heard of him oh, i've heard of her oh yeah yeah he's meant to be really good oh yeah she's doing things so you click on them and you listen to them and it's a shame that's how it has to be because as a result and we see it you know every episode we do it we flag tunes that are not necessarily getting the credit they deserve by people who are working just as hard but are just getting overshadowed because their numbers are small like it's just such bullshit um i, I think genuinely that there is like it can only be the 0.5 percent of talent that breaks through sheerly on talent and not on heavy marketing it's like it's called the music business for a reason yeah. it's a business for sure you know it's like you have to invest in it and have a strategy to get something out of it. And it comes back to what we've talked about before in terms of what you want to be as an artist, right? It's like, do you want to have your music adored and you want to make money out of sales or do you want to play live shows? Like, you know, a lot of people, it's, it's been, as I've said before, the, the old adage is you don't make money out of the music that you sell, you make the money out of your live shows. That's kind of just 
what's always been said about musicians since the dawn of time, as far as I'm aware. I'm not sure. And I think it's always... I'm not sure it's completely accurate. Like, back in the day, they'd record an album and then they'd tour that album for two or three years, and the reason they were doing the live shows was to sell more copies of that album. I think that's a fallacy that the industry uh, big wigs have, have been pushing on us as artists and on the general population because they want you to believe there's no money to be made in music and oh you should just be grateful for the motion now all the mo- mo- money's of course they're going to fucking say that because they want the money for themselves you know what i mean so i think you have to take claims like oh yeah no one makes money from music with a pinch of salt because yeah that is what the people who want the money are going to tell you because I can tell you right now, and I can tell you there are labels in Garage dicking people over left, right, and centre, and I'm not going to go and name any names, but there are absolutely people getting shafted out of lots of money. I can tell you there are labels that will try and steal your publishing by crediting the writing on your release to an alias they have set up with PRS. It's bullshit. It happens even at the low level that Garage is at. So what do you think they're doing at the top end? They're, they're, they're doing that, they're amplifying it, and then they're turning around going, oh, well, there's no money to be made. It's fucking wank. If there's no money to be made, why is Ed Sheeran valued at over 200 million? I know he's doing shows, but he hasn't made 200 million out of shows. Why is Calvin Harris earning 50 million a year? Yeah, he's got his Vegas residency, but he's also putting in an absolute fuck ton from all his publishing work. He's in all the back end of the of the mechanical sales and streams. You, you, it's possible, you do man. this, Rob, though, but we're not we're not all Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran is something special, the right? Reason, the reason I always mention people like that is because it shouldn't. It, there's there's something disproportionately wrong with the fact that. 0.001% of artists earn 99.9% of the money that's coming in. It's, that, it's, it's ridiculous that the, the industry has gone like that because it absolutely didn't used to be like that. If, you were, if, you, if we were doing this show, if we picked out some of these tunes and we pressed them up in the year 1999, 2000, you could sell 20,000 copies of a vinyl that you've self-released, you pay a distributor fee, you might be left with a three or four quid on each vinyl that you sell. You could put down a, a, de- a deposit on a hefty house from that, from one tune. And I know there are producers like Brass Tooth that I've seen advertise the amount of certain records they've sold. And sure, Brass Tooth said he sold 25,000 of Celebrate Life. Even after you paid your remix fees, you paid your, your distributor, you paid to have the labels done, you paid the pressing fees, you're making a fuck ton of money off the back of that. Right. And it's not possible to do that now because the, the, the gap is kind of re- reflective of society as a whole and politics. Right. You look at society gradually as time goes by. Right. You've got like a smaller proportion that are massively rich and everybody else is kind of clawing and, and scraping to get by. Right. And music's no different to that. You've got a real small proportion of artists that have pull and power because they've obviously had luck. They've been in the right place. They've had the good business mindset. A lot of it boils down to luck on being in the right place. Right. You know, you could take there are there are loads of people. I think I think talented. every sector, every sector experience is the same thing that you, you're talking but about. But I feel Rob, it's more and pronounced. I think, it's more pronounced in music because there is this this stigma and there's this dogma attached to music that you should be able to download it for free. It should all be accessible for free. Like we've had it before. We talked about Spotify, right? And you turned around and said to me, "Well, those people who make those algorithms deserve to be paid." And I said, "Yeah, absolutely, they do." So do the people who make the music. It just seems to be that musicians are the ones that just get dicked over and stepped on all the time. Do you think like all these people that are acting on even the small programs like The Bill or Holby City or whatever, they're all still getting paid a decent wage or they wouldn't be doing it. Yet, you know, 99% of artists that are making music are getting absolutely fuck all because you've got people like Calvin Harris and Ed Sheeran who are making all of the fucking money. It's disproportionate. And the reason it's like that is because we're in this cycle of 
bullshit and fake statistics and data and algorithms that favor people that don't need to be favored because they've got people backing them with loads of money to put them there. And then you've got everybody else struggling. It's, I just feel like it's a dangerous circle to get into because in essence, you're just making it more and more difficult. I'm not even talking about, you know, it might be that you, you're not aspiring to do music to to make money it might be if you're in a luxurious position where you've got a career you've got something else going on you're happy you're content and you just like to make music in your spare time then that's dandy but it shouldn't be the case that you've got people who are as skilled as they are and absolutely grinding and just not get anything back from it because the industry is so fucked up and corrupt i know i know it's like it's a representation of a lot of other sectors but i feel like it's more compounded in music because of the way things have gone even in a relatively short space of time since Nap snaps the line wire because oh. it's fucking gone down. <laughs> but you know, I mean, do, do you not feel it more because you're because you're part of it? That's the other question. I, I understand what you're saying. Do you feel like that? It's, and it's it's a bit different with things like Napster and piracy. There's a whole other spin to put on the whole thing. But it's like when you talk to me about Brass Tooth making all that money off of vinyl, I start to think about well, hang on, horse farmers stopped making money when cars came out. You know, we evolve. That's you have to evolve but, with the times. Yeah, do I cry that people are not selling as many horses now, or do I thank the Lord that not that I'm religious that I can now drive a car and get from A to B without having to feed it every five minutes? It's just it's the next evolution. The same way that I don't have to buy gigantic pieces of plastic and cart them around with me, I can get any piece of music streamed from the internet whenever I want. It's the next evolution, and you have to adapt to that business it's, model. It's not, it's, just, it's not an ideal yeah. analogy to use, though, is it? Because, like, in the example that you've used, people would just be stopping making music and going and doing something else. We can all stop making music and go do something else because we're not making money, but then there'd be no fucking music. Do you know what I mean? You'd be left with only Calvin Harris and Ed Sheeran. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's just, I, yeah, arguably, I do feel it more because I'm in that arena, but I do think that music is a standout. It's, it's, it, music is the... What's happened to music as a result of piracy, I think is relatively unprecedented. I would argue the only other sector that's felt it in the same way as porn, right? Because you can get music and porn for free. Like nobody pays for music and porn anymore, whereas years ago they would have done, right? But it's that doesn't mean that we should just accept it is the point. They, they always seem, it, it's not like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's it, move on. Like if we all just accepted that, everybody would be just fucking it off, wouldn't they? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? You do IT, right? No, you, I think the smart, were, the smart kids evolve, Rob. I, I'm going to argue it again. The smart kids evolve. Right, so you do, you, you do IT-based work, right? Yeah, I don't really understand fully what it is, but you're in computers, right? It's fine. Well, I, touch, I touch keyboards, and that's, okay. that's fine. So you're touch not keyboards, not kids. Go on. Maybe you might be looking at it going, well, years ago, I might have, might have made more if I was doing X, Y, and Z then. Or, yeah. But you're not in a position... Uh, where someone's going, well, Greg, you're really good with computers. We can tell you that you've spent a long time learning how to use all this stuff. You just need to work 10 years for free, um, and then maybe you'll be lucky enough to get a chance that you'll start bringing a little bit of money in from it. That, that, that wouldn't happen. You wouldn't stand for that. Music is the only area in society where people are expected to just go, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, oh, you'll give me exposure. Great, thanks, mate. You're doing me a favour there. No, it's bullshit. I spoke to someone recently. I put a record out with someone recently, and he said, oh, don't worry about the money. You just keep it. I said to him, fuck that, mate. I said, you did 50% of this, so you deserve 50% of the money. I said, if you, if you go into it with that mindset that you're going, oh, do you know what? I'm just happy to be here. I said, like, I'm a nice bloke. I'm going to pay you. 
most other people will just fuck you over. And I've seen it time and time again. They go, okay, even if the track made loads of money, they'll keep it all for themselves. It shouldn't be the case that somebody has to be that grateful that they're willing to just go, oh, you know, oh, whatever. It's still an art form. You wouldn't expect to get a painter to do a portrait of your dog, hang it on the wall, and then just go, oh, do you know what? It's art. You should be happy to do that for free. I could take a photo and print it's... that off on a computer. Time to change, mate. It's bollocks. I don't accept it as a... The, 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 key, the, key, the key division I think you've made there, Rob, is that it's, an, it's because it's art, right? And what you're explaining, I don't know if you go on Reddit, but the perfect subreddit you need to go on is Choosing Beggars. Um, and that is a Reddit filled with people contacting primarily artists, trying to get work done for free and using exposure as the reason uh, for doing it. I've got a close friend that's an artist. He done the art for, for our podcast. Um, and the shit he has to go through like he had, there's one very prominent band. In fact, I'll call him out. The Motley Crue, right? He, he probably will hate me if I did this, but he, he had an opportunity to do artwork for Motley Crue, which is a, you know, if you don't know, they're a band from the 80s. Um, uh, Tommy Lee, you may have seen his penis inside Pam Randerson on the porno at some point. Um, he, he had the opportunity to do it and he was like, how much is it paying? And they're like, no, you don't get paid. Um, you get exposure and we will give you some prints of what you've done. Um, for a band that is as huge as they are, that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, and there's something about artists that, that they get dicked over. There's, there's, I think there's obviously an underappreciation for uh, creativity um, and what, you know, what, what it takes to be creative. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I... And I and I feel your pain, like when you say it, Rob. You, and I, I know you, you hurt from it every day, and it's so bad. <laughs> but I, I honestly always feel like you need to evolve. It's like in the job that I'm doing. You talk about I do IT. You don't know what I do. That's fair enough. But the work that I was doing ten years ago, if I was still doing that same work, I wouldn't be employed today. I've had to evolve my skills over time to fit into the job that I'm doing now. And I've spent time getting better at what I do, but I still have to kind of tweak what I do to still, uh, you know, get a decent job out of it. And it's like, um, and with art and, and music, it's not the same thing, right? You're creating art, but you're not learning new skills while you're doing it. You're just getting better at producing art. So it's not a complete kind of one-to-one -one analogy. But if you then transpose that into the fact that if you want to create a business out of that art, you can't just say, right, well, you know, we've sold this many vinyls this many years ago, I should be able to do that and make a living off of it. The, the model's evolved, and part of that evolution of a model is you need to put money in to do marketing, to get fake plays, to get heard, and then therefore I'll get picked up by a bigger label, and then I'll get pushed in this direction. Like, it's, like, and I'm not saying that's the only route, but my point is, is that it ain't the good old days anymore, and the people that go far have worked out that, there's new ways to do things. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you can be a musician in 2022 without having evolved anyway. I think you, you, you say like people, you, you just, you're not learning any skills, you're doing the same thing. I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that every person that's making music has gone through the ropes of learning all the different social medias, even if they're like me and they fucking hate having to do it and they begrudge having to do it and they're fine. We're, we're always learning. Like, I, I do all my own artwork and all my releases. I do all of my video editing. I do absolutely everything. I've got a load more skills that I didn't have 10 years ago, much like you, 
Um, it just counts for fuck all in music because music doesn't run at parallel to any other industry bar porn, it would seem. I, you know, I go back to that point. And it's a shame a lot of people at large and generally people who don't make music or don't have such an interest in music will turn around and go, oh, well, you know, it's not a real job. But I would argue that music helps just as many people as all kinds of therapists do and medicines do. Do you know what I mean? Music is the backbone for a lot of people, something they really love. Um, and, and is a really positive influence and has a positive influence on their life. So on that basis alone, it's serving a purpose and therefore it should, you know, I don't know. We'll go around in circles now. I get what you're saying. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with what you're saying. I get, I get what you're saying about evolving and stuff. I just don't think it's as simple as, as that in music. I, I don't, think, don't feel like music runs in parallel with everything else. I, I feel like musicians have come off the short side of it. And I think this... We've kind of gone off the point, but like we were talking about fake stream counts. It's just, um, I don't know. Even no, I, I, I think it, it's totally on the point, mate, because, because fake, when you started to talk to me about you wanting to have this as a subject, and then I, I started to visualise, all right, I'm a label owner, what am I doing? How do I get to the point now where I've put a tune out and I've ended up on these platforms with fake stream counts? Why has that happened? And what's the journey that I've gone to to get there? What are the things that have happened to make those streams happen? And what benefit do I get out of that? And when I think about all of those pieces, it puts me in the mindset of I'm a modern label manager that has a completely different set of jobs to what I would have had 10 years ago. And that's where I'm kind of coming from. It's like it's, it's a new set of skills if you're running a label. You run Riddler. I'm not challenging you to say do better, Rob. I'm just saying as an outsider from all of this, that's kind of how I see it. You can do whatever you want. And I respect your skill and talent. Every, every single day I live. Um, but it, I know you're also a super-duper frustrated, starving artist, <laughs> and, and I wish you could do better. So it's almost like all I can say is, this guy over here is doing this. Have you considered that? That's all I can really say yeah. to you. And I don't know what, even know what that is, and they're not going to tell you what that yeah. is because they've cracked what it yeah. is, and by doing that, they are getting places. Yeah, yeah I don't disagree with that. I mean, it's, I, it's, I don't know. I always just go back to the point that like, it's just a shame that's the way it is. And I know I'm idealistic saying that. It just... I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I kind of came off the phone with my mate who was, you know, he's done some really big things and, and, and he's, he's making moves and he's doing well for himself. And even he was just like, oh, I'm really frustrated watching these people sail past me when I know they basically cheated to do it. It's kind of, kind of like being a boxer and, and juicing up and going in there and giving someone a pasting because they're a natural athlete. Right. It's kind of a similar thing, isn't it? Just on a different kind of plane. Um, yeah, it's just uh, anyway. We could guess on this all well, day. Well, <laughs> if, if, if you have the answer for how we can better make Rob's music be heard by everyone um, without compromising our morals or integrity, um, please do get back to us at feedback at intheukgarage.com. We would love to hear your opinion. 100% um, speaking of, yeah, And speaking of beautiful opinions, we've had several since the last show, yeah. Rob. Shall we jump into some of the comments that we've had must, since we posted the last episode? I must start by apologising to the people that I've left off because I know that there were other people who messaged me on socials or texts and I, and I was going through my phone trying to find stuff earlier and it was such a long time ago I've lost it. I need to be better in the habit of just making a note as they come in. Got three here that I've managed to pull off YouTube and WhatsApp. So we've got first up from Baker via our YouTube channel. Great piece on the loudness war, guys, which we discussed last time. So many valid points from both. For me, who has made so many mistakes when self-mastering that are out there for all to hear, I've started to pay less attention to luffs and more to enduring my dynamic range and transients being retained. 
If the EQ, mix, dynamics and transients are good, I tickle the limiter on the master at minus 3 dB, barely touching it, but still giving an audible boost. That's just me. Um, and I think what Baker does, what he said there is kind of what I was saying, how it, I felt like that's how it should. In, in an ideal world, it would be like that. You don't want to, you know, where he's talking about the transients and, and how you can overmaster and it kind of destroys that. That's exactly the point I was trying to make. He's just done it very eloquently in a few lines, whereas I take 15 minutes to ramble about it. But appreciate the uh, the feedback as always, Baker, top man. And um, I don't know, do you want to cut uh, in on any of that? Oh, You're smiling like you've got something to say. Well, yeah, no, because <laughs> I'm just chuckling at Tickle the Limiter. It sounds like a game they'd play at Eaton. <laughs> do you um, know what, curiously, but yeah, and... whilst, whilst you are mentioning Tickling the Limiter, it was funny because I sent out, obviously I had the Jazzdip FM, the remixes come out shortly after we did the last um, the, the last episode where I'd ranted and raved about people overmastering stuff and we both made the observation that it's really difficult to mix some of the newer stuff into the older stuff because it's got a different sound and it's much louder and the very first bit of feedback that I got on my Jastafa and the remixes which I had mastered to you know minus eight laughs was oh it's too loud I can't mix it into the old stuff uh, done with no sense of irony <laughs> by somebody who I don't think had yet listened to the episode I, I must check with them to see whether they've listened to it since because they must have had a chuckle uh, but yeah it, it tickled me that that was that was the response anyway I go on uh, next next uh, feedback is from Richie P via YouTube uh, we mentioned Richie P a uh, good YouTube channel if you like new school mixes go check him out uh, he says, in regards to the mastering, I have similar issues with my mixes, trying to get the levels just right, but ultimately falling into the trap of trying to make it as loud as possible, which sometimes doesn't quite work. Um, so he's obviously directly experienced what we were talking about with kind of trying to balance out all the fluctuating volumes of tracks. Uh, last, Well, I mean, ever, ever since our, um, our last kind of uh, podcast that we did, you know, I listened back to one of your radio shows and was so jealous at how clean it sounded. <laughs> um, and and then I started to think about how I know that my stuff is blowing consistently because I want it to be louder, but I know the waveforms are just smashing up against the edges. And, you know, that's me sitting there lamenting the fact that, oh, mine don't sound like Rob. And I've got no idea how to make it sound like yours without making it really quiet. So, um you know, I'd say bravo. You know your shit, um, <laughs> Thanks, and man. just listen to Rob's radio show over mine because mine sounds like garbage. <laughs> your hosting is is more humorous, though. I enjoy your hosting your shows, and you get pro- <laughs> you get properly wonky. Whereas I have a limited amount of wonkiness. I try and breeze through the different <laughs> niches of garage. Uh, next uh, next bit of feedback I've got is from uh, big man Duncan Powell who. Uh, messaged me after the show saying tune selection was amazing this month some belters I enjoyed the mastering rant even if I glazed over a bit <laughs> made me realise I sort of mastered <laughs> as I went along with very little work at the end except the car test I did however forever play with the gain and EQ when mixing especially in the vinyl days I guess there was lots of variation back then too I understood 45 reps per minute could be mastered louder than 33 45 pressings always sounded better anyway I agree with that uh, Agreed. I traced the whole thing back to Dillinger for the loudness. Um, high volume was his thing with the whole valve sound system. And because it was done with extreme quality, loudness was then perceived as a sign of quality mastering from as early as the late 90s. Uh, I think that's a fair point because obviously mm. I used um, Skrillex as, as kind of the poster boy for it, but he's absolutely right. Dillinger, I remember in my uni days, we used to get the, the Dillinger records in and they were so fucking loud and they still are now. Um, and it bothered me then and it bothers me now. <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't bother me back then, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting to, to raise that point. And obviously that ties in with what you were saying about your mate who's doing things in drum and bass, um, because obviously it's more pronounced arguably in drum and bass than it is in garage. 
but it still grinds my gears anyway. Um, <laughs> but appreciate the feedback. Dan. Once again, thank you very much. Going to big him up, big up inside info, and uh, yeah, check out his tune Skyhook because that is bonering juicing. But thank you again, as, mm-hmm. as Rob said to to Duncan for the feedback, very much so. Um, yeah, all, all valid points for sure. Um, if you want to send us feedback, you can do so. Feedback at in the UK is one way using old classic granddad email to this granddad that's just turned 40. <laughs> you can also, uh, you know, slide into our DMs on any platform. Insta seems to be the one that people like to hit us up on. So you can hit us on the Instas, on the Twitters, all over the places. And the handle is at in the UK garage. I see that, mate. Robert, this is a uh, run really long, mate. We're at one one fifty five. That's right. And uh, we haven't broken two hours yet. Yeah. I think I feel like that's a barrier that we we need not pass, but we're doing all right. Yeah, it's because we leave it so long between episodes. But I mean, I've got my honeymoon between now and our next episode, so um, yeah. So gonna, hopefully, you'll hear the tan in my voice I think when I come back. You ought to prepare a little slideshow of photos, and and we'll put a UKG soundtrack to that, and have a little segment in the next show. Brains is. Um, range is romantic. No Hollywood. one does not want to see me on the beach with my man yats out. It's as simple as that. It's just, it's I'm not just happening. hoping there's more photos of you on, on one of those little scooters like last time you were on holiday. You definitely need more of those, mate, for sure. <laughs> oh, mate. Well, I'm going to Jamaica, so um, we'll see how it goes. I don't know whether they've got little scooters in Jamaica. Um, but very much looking forward to it. And please, please don't burgle me while I'm gone. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, wicked stuff, Rob, mate. It's so great to catch up with you. Thank you, you for that. We run a lot later than we wanted to, um, but thank you for taking the time out. Always a pleasure, my friend. I hope you don't get it in the neck from from the wife. <laughs> no, but I don't get it in the neck from the wife as well. Good luck, mate. Good luck. If I don't hear from you in the coming days, I know that you've been buried in the back garden. Hashtag <laughs> pray for brains. Um, <laughs> Yes, magical stuff. All right, um, I guess that's that's your lot then. Um, until until next time. Um, Take it easy. We'll, we'll see you then. Uh, big ups. <laughs> you get me? In the garage with fanatic and brains. <laughs>